Well, good morning, everybody. I don't know about you, but man, am I excited to actually see your faces. <laughs> Normally, you know who I get to see? I get to see Matt and the lens. Uh, behind, you know, in front of his face. That's, that's what I normally get to see. Uh, so this is exciting for me. I hope it is for you. I am glad more than that just to be able to see you, but the fact that we get to be together and worship God. And as I prayed this morning, we kind of prayed together with all the volunteers that were here and helped set up and do all the different things. And, and one thing that I, that I was reminded of is the fact that regardless of whether we have to wear masks and sit six feet apart and we can't give actual hugs and it has to be air hugs and air nucks and all that stuff, we still get to worship God. It doesn't change the fact that he is God, that he loves you, that he loves all of us, and that he's still in control. Amen? That is a big deal. Regardless of how we have to do it, we get to do it. And so this is a, a big thing. So I'm so glad that you're here. So I want you to start this morning by imagining that you're walking through the woods. And as you're walking through the woods, you come across a person that is sawing feverishly with a handsaw trying to cut down a massive tree. And you come up to this person, you ask, well, what are you doing? And the person says, I'm trying to cut down this tree. And I've been at it for hours. I was here early this morning, and it's now past lunchtime, and I still have not cut this tree down. And you look at the person as they're telling you this, and you realize, man, they are sweating, and they are just frustrated. And you can tell it's, they're close to giving up. Like, this is just a mess. And, and, and you can tell the person is just ready to be done. And so you ask the person, well, why don't you maybe consider taking a quick break and sharpening your saw? Because it looks like your saw is worn down to just completely dull, and it's probably why you're not able to cut through the tree, is because your saw is completely dull. So take a few minutes, rest, and actually sharpen the saw, and I'll bet you'll be able to cut the tree down. And the person gets kind of angry at you and responds to you by saying, you don't understand. I have no time to stop and sharpen the saw. I'm too busy cutting down the tree. <laughs> Interesting, right? What I want to talk to you today about is exactly the same thing. I want to talk to you about doing the things in your life that will help you do all the other things in your life. It's the things that we don't do that causes us problems and pain and chaos in the things that we're trying to do. And so today is all about sharpening the saw, and I'll explain what that is here in just a minute. But before I get too deep in, I just want to say welcome uh, once again. You've already been welcomed several times, but I still get to say it. I'm so glad that you're here. And those of you checking us out for maybe the first time, you've never been here, or been, it's been a long time, thank you for being here. We want you to know that Northridge Church, whether we're meeting in a gym or in the community rooms or we're just online, it's a safe place for you. No matter where you are with God, whether you've been walking with God for a long time or you're not even sure, maybe you're here and you're not even sure if you believe in Jesus yet. No matter where you are on that spectrum, we're just glad that you're here. This is a safe place for you to be. So another thing that I want you to know is that we're in a series. If you've been following online, a lot of you have been. Uh, the rest of you, I don't know. 
I have no idea. Some of you say, hey, we've been watching. And some of you, I'm like, I don't know if anybody's there. I'm just going to speak to the camera and I'm hoping somebody's listening, right? But if you've been watching, we are in a series called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And those of you joining us online, you know, you, you, you're kind of there. You, you know that we've been doing this as well. And we're basing it on the book by Stephen Covey of the same name, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So that's where a lot of the content and illustrations and ideas have been coming from. But we've been going through, so we've covered the first six habits. So today we're going to cover the seventh and final habit. And the seventh habit is this. Sharpen the saw. Sharpen the saw. Doing the things that we need to do to do all the other things. Now, at the beginning of this series, if you have been tracking with us, I shared with you something that Stephen Covey shares in his book. It's called the Quadrant Chart. And the Quadrant Chart is very simply says this. It says that everything you do, everything I do in life, falls into one of four categories. Now, a lot of you have probably already heard this, and if you remember this from the beginning of the series, I talked about this. But I want to go through this really quickly because it really pertains to this habit that we're talking about here today. So these four quadrants are these. Quadrant number one. These are things in our life that are both urgent and important. This would be like if you're at home and your child runs in bleeding from the head, that would be not only important, but also urgent, wouldn't it? I don't think you're going to say, oh, honey, that looks pretty bad. You know what? Let me schedule a hospital visit for a couple of weeks from now. Right? You're not going to do that. Why? Because it's urgent. Right? This is something we need to take care of. And that's, it's not only important, but it's important to do right now. Okay? These are things that are important and urgent. Quadrant two. These are things that are not urgent. They're, they're not things that press on us all the time. You don't wake up thinking, man, I have to do this right now. The deadline is tomorrow right? Nope. These are things that are not urgent, but they're really important. These are things that just kind of slide by in our lives if we're not very intentional. We have to be intentional about things in quadrant two. Quadrant three, these are things that are urgent. They press for our focus. They press us for our time. This is a lot of coworkers in your life that send you 27 emails per day. Some of you have somebody in mind. <laughs> You're like, yes, I know who that is. Oh, they drive me insane, right? These are things that are always urgent. They're always pressing for your time and your energy and your focus, but they're not actually that important, right? We don't need to discuss that now. We discussed it in our board meeting. We didn't need another email about it. It's not important. It's urgent. You're making it urgent, but it's not important. And then quadrant number four, these are things that are not urgent and not important. <laughs> these are things, and I wouldn't say all TV is like this, but I would say most TV shows are like this. We all know what they are. They waste our time, right? We know that. In fact, can we just be honest here today? You don't have to raise your hand, but can we be honest? That's partly why we like TV, because it is pointless, and I can just sit there and turn my brain off. That's why it falls in quadrant four. It's not urgent or important, right? It's neither one. It is just there, something that wastes our time, all right? So now why do I bring this up? Hey, there I am. <laughs> I'm going to scare you today. I'm sorry. Why do I bring these four quadrants up when we're talking about habit seven? And I already talked about this early on in the series. Well, the reason I bring it up is this. 
Habit number seven falls squarely in quadrant two. Sharpening the saw in all the ways that we're going to talk about today is fully a quadrant two activity. All of the things we're going to talk about, they're never going to be things that you wake up and you think, man, I have to do that today. There's never going to be a natural deadline to these things. And so let me just tell you that the things today, if you walk out saying, hey, that was pretty good, I should probably do some of those things. Unless you're really intentional, you won't do any of this. You'll do none of it because it's never going to be urgent. And so what are the things that we're talking about? Well, Stephen Covey actually mentions four areas of life that we need to continually and intentionally be sharpening in order to have the healthiest life. So these are the four areas. He talks about the physical. That's our body, eating habits, sleep habits, those kinds of things. The second one is mental. This is our thought life. This is reading. This is learning. This is realizing that you have never arrived in your mind. Right? You've never like, hey, I know everything. That's awesome. By the way, if you do, the Bible has something to say about that. That would be called pride. We definitely don't want that. Right? Mental is sharpening our, our thought life. The, the third one is social and emotional. This is our relationships and our emotions. I don't know if you know, you realize this, but most of your emotions, almost all of them, not all of them, but most of your emotions are very much moved by people. Have you noticed that some of your best emotions happen because of people? Have you also noticed that some of your worst emotions happen because of people? Very much so, right? So that's the third area, this sharpening our relationships and managing our emotions. And then the fourth one, of course, is spiritual. This is our faith. This is our relationship with God that we have to be intentional to sharpen that. Now, if you think about these four areas, let me ask you some questions. My guess is they're not urgent, right? Because my guess is when you woke up this morning, the first thing you thought of was probably, now some of you, there might be a couple of you in here, some of you I know, so this may have been your thought because you're weird and that's okay. I totally, it's a safe place for you to be weird. It's cool. I just told you that, right? But most of us probably did not wake up this morning, and for me it was a lot earlier, and think, man, I really need to work out like right now. I really do. I need, I need to grab a bowl of broccoli and just dig into that sucker. I didn't feel that urgency this morning. I can tell you that. In fact, I can tell you I don't ever feel that urgency. <laughs> you know why I eat broccoli? You know why I work out on a regular basis? It's because I have to. Because I know that I need to. Because I know when I don't, it's not going to go well for me right? Uh, same way with mental. How many of you kind of got up and you were like, man, I need to expand my mind today. I really do. I need to read some articles that are tough to understand. I need to dig into a book that's really difficult for me to, to, to read and just really stretch my mental capacity. How many of you woke up like, man, I'm going to do that. I feel urgency on that. Probably not. How many of you woke up with urgency today and saying, I need to map out a strategy to make all of my relationships better? I'm going to make phone calls, and I'm going to send some texts to some people that matter in my life. I'm going to work on the relationship today. I just feel so much urgency to do that. Probably not. How many of you said, man, I can't do anything until I spend time with God this morning? Again, some of us maybe did. But do you get the, the gist of this? These are not things that we just wake up and be like, oh, man, we have to do this. 
because they're not urgent, but they're so important. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to give you three words today. I hope you remember these three words because these three words are attached to the one area of life that we're going to tackle today. What I would love to do is I would love to tackle all four of those areas, the physical, the mental, the social, emotional, and the spiritual. I would love to tackle all four of those, but we don't have time today. You know what would happen if I had time to do that? You guys know me. We'd be here until three. Like we'd barely make the Packer game this afternoon if we did that. So we're not going to do all four. What I am going to do is I'm going to cover the one that you would expect me to cover this morning. I'm going to cover the spiritual area. How do we, as followers of Christ, how do we sharpen the spiritual saw in our life? How do we sharpen our faith intentionally? So we're going to tackle that. And to do that, I want to give you three words. The first two words are what we need to do. The third word is what we'll experience if we do. Two words to do, one word that we will experience if we do these things. All right? So the first word is time. Time. In order to sharpen the saw, it's going to require us time. Investment of time. In fact, I would say one of the most powerful quotes in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, is this. He, he says this, and I, and I love this quote. He says, spiritual renewal takes an investment of time. If I were to give you the number one reason I think that we miss out on the power of God, it's because we don't give God any room or space or time in our lives. I think it's an urgency problem on our part. Because I don't know about you, but I know I, for me personally, I can get into a day, and this is not every day, but I can hit a day and all of a sudden realize it's afternoon and I haven't thought about, I haven't talked to, I haven't read scripture, I haven't dug into anything for God at all and allowed him to speak to me. Honestly, that's, that's a rare day, but there are times when I'm just worried, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed I have to record to a camera later that day and I get up and I just start plugging away on the sermon, which by the way is not time spent with God. My sermon has to come out of time spent with God. It's different for me to work on a sermon than to spend time with God. And so time is one of the biggest things and I want to share an example of this. So Jesus and the disciples, they were on their way to Jerusalem and they ended up at this house. And the two people that we know that lived there was a gal named Martha and her sister Mary. Now, some of you have heard this story told like 100,000 times. Some of you, this will be the first time you've ever heard this story. So either way, I want to pull out one major takeaway from this story. Let me read it. It's found in Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Sounds like a sibling problem, by the way. Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset 
over all these details, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, you look at this story, we could, we could, I could spend probably a whole series on this story. There is a lot going on here. But I want to give you one very simple, very obvious takeaway. What Jesus is saying in that moment is he's saying, Martha, if you're going to spend time on anything, the best thing to spend time on is spending time with me. Now, I want us to understand something. Jesus is not saying to Martha, it's either spend time with me or we eat. Right? Jesus is not saying don't prepare the meal. Jesus is not saying don't clean the house. Jesus is not saying it's Jesus or this. Jesus or sports. Jesus or social media. Jesus or your job. Jesus is not saying it's an either or thing. What Jesus is saying, and I want us to catch this because this is really important. What Jesus is saying, he's saying to Martha and he's saying to you and to me, he's saying, if you want to have joy, if you want to have purpose, if you want to have strength in all of the things that you're going to do in your life, then what you need to do first is spend time with the one who can give you joy and strength and purpose in those things. Jesus is not saying make dinner or spend time with me. Jesus is saying spend time with me and then making dinner will be a joyful exercise for you. Jesus says, spend time with me and going to your job, even though you hate it, is going to be a lot less hate because my love and my peace and my joy is going to flow through you. That coworker that does send you 27 emails, you're going to feel more understanding and more love for them because you spent time in the presence of God. Do you see it's not an either or thing, it's a joy and power thing if we spend time first with Jesus. Spiritual renewal takes time. So let me take this one step further and give an illustration of this. So in his book, Stephen Covey recounts a story that was told by somebody else named Arthur Gordon. Uh, it's in a book called The Turn of the Tide. I've never read the book myself. But he recounts this in, uh, in his book, Stephen Covey's book. And he talks about how the fact that Arthur Gordon writes about this, this time in his life when he just felt stale. Have you ever felt stale in your life? I've, honestly, I've had met probably more moments of feeling stale during this pandemic than I've ever had. I'm just being open with you. I hate speaking to just a camera. I don't mind having a camera going. I just hate speaking only to a camera. Matt, I appreciate you. And it's a lot, I agree, it's awesome that I get to speak to you. But I, it, it's just hard for me. Because I love people so much. That's, that's just the truth. I'm not saying, it's just... This season has been terrible. And so I have felt stale. And so I can kind of relate to this story. But Arthur Garden, he, he's a writer, right? So that's what he does for a living. He writes for a living. And he realized that he was having a really hard time writing. He just, he'd sit down. And he'd have, you know, what you call writer's block. And he just couldn't do anything. He, he wasn't inspired. He had no motivation. But what he started to realize was it was more than just his writing. In his relationships, in his getting out of bed in the morning, he just realized he was getting more and more depressed and he was feeling more stale and more flat. He felt like he was just going through the motions of life. He would just get up and he would do his thing and then he'd go to bed. Anybody else ever feel that way? That's how Arthur Gordon was feeling. 
He knew it was getting worse by the day. And so he did what a lot of us would probably do. He went to his doctor. <laughs> and he's like, hey, this is what's going on. And so after talking with his doctor for quite a while, the doctor said, Here, here's what I want you to do. I, I want to give you a prescription. I want you to go to the place where you were happiest as a child. I want you to go to wherever you were happiest as a child. And I want you to spend all day there. And then the doctor said, and I have these four pieces of paper. I'm going to write something on each one. And I want you to open them throughout the day. I want you to open one at 9 o'clock in the morning, one at noon, the third one at 3, and then the fourth one at 6 o'clock. The guy looked at him. He said, I'm paying you for this, <laughs> right? And the doctor said, you won't, you won't think I'm crazy once you see what happens. Okay. And so he promised his doctor, I will do this. And so the very next day, early in the morning, he took a drive and he went out and he went out to the beach. That's where he was happiest as a child. I don't understand that. That's weird to me, but whatever. To each his own. But Arthur Gordon went out to the beach because that's where he was happiest as a child. And, and he went out there and he was kind of starting to think and he was just, you know, he was feeling depressed. He was feeling uh, overwhelmed and worried about his life. He was stale. And he's sitting there and he's thinking, this is stupid. This is a waste of an entire day. Why am I even doing this? But he knew he had made a promise to his doctor. And so he was here. And so finally, nine o'clock rolled around and he opened the first piece of paper. And he read what it said. It just had two words on it. It said, listen carefully. Listen carefully. And he thought... What, I've, been, I've been here by myself for a few hours already. I, I've been listening. What am I supposed to listen for? He's just frustrated, right? Because that's where his life is at. And he heard, you know, the things that we probably all would hear. He heard the waves crashing on the, on, the way, on the shore. And he heard the birds, the seagulls going overhead and all that stuff. He heard all those things. But then after the first, you know, few minutes, he's like, how am I going to do this for three hours? He started to hear other things. He started to hear the lessons that he had learned as a child and throughout his life from specifically the ocean. Things like patience. Things like consistency. Things like respect. And as he thought about those lessons that he had learned in his life, he started to get a small, just a very small sense of peace in his heart, in his soul. Well, finally, he did that for a while. And of course, noon came along and he knew it was time to open the second paper. And so he opened the second paper and the second paper said three words. It said, try reaching back. Try reaching back. And once again, he thought, well, I have no idea what that means. Like, what, what am I reaching back for? And so he sat there, Arthur Gordon sat there, and he just thought, and he thought, and he thought. And, and eventually he started going back through his entire life and thinking about all the experiences he had ever had and all the lessons he learned. And of course, some of them were not good, but a lot of them, he started to remember the joy. He started to remember all the love that he had felt from other people. He started to remember all the amazing lessons and the journey that he had had throughout life and all the amazing experiences he had. And, the, and his sense of peace began to grow just a little bit more. And then at 3 o'clock, he was kind of excited now. 
he was like, man, this is, this is starting to really work on something here. And so he was excited at 3 o'clock when he got to open that third paper, but his excitement kind of waned a little bit when he read what he had to do. The third paper said, examine your motives. Oh, how many of you like to do that, by the way? I mean, I, not thinking about what you're doing, but thinking about why you're doing them. How fun is that? It said, examine your motives. And, and Arthur Gordon sat there and he started to think through his motives for everything he was doing in life. And you know what he realized? He started to realize that most, not everything, but most of what he was doing in his life was for selfish reasons. It was to serve himself. It was for success. It was to make as much money as he could. It was all self-serving. It was all filtering this way, his motives. And he realized that. And he realized that his motives did not line up with his core values. He was living his life in opposition to what he truly believed he should be. And it started to, to he started to realize, I need to adjust some of the things that I'm doing and why I'm doing them. Well, needless to say, by 6 o'clock, he was ready to open that paper. <laughs> and so 6 o'clock came around, and he opened the last paper, and it simply said this. It said, write your worries in the sand. Write your worries in the sand. And so Arthur Gordon couldn't do it fast enough. <laughs> he grabbed a, a broken piece of a shell that he was, had on the beach next to him, and he started writing all of his worries out, and there were a lot of them. And you know what he did? He dropped the shell, and he walked away knowing that the, the tide was coming in and the waves were going to wash away his worries. And Arthur Garden tells this in his book. He says, it completely changed the trajectory of my life. I realized that I was living in such a way that I had no peace. And that changed everything for me. So here's my point today, guys, on this first word. If you're feeling stale... If you're feeling frustrated, and can I just tell you, I'm speaking to myself probably as much as anybody right now. If you're feeling stale, if you're feeling frustrated, if you're feeling upset, if you're feeling mad that we're not in person in school or that we can't, that we have to meet in a gym and socially distance and wear a mask to go to church or whatever, whatever, whatever you're frustrated about, if you're feeling a lack of joy and peace in your life, can I tell you the remedy, the prescription? It's simple. You simply need to invest and take some time to spend with your Savior, with the Holy Spirit. Allow God to speak to you and tell you who you really are. Now, that might seem like ooh, weird, ethereal, like let's sit and put our arms out you know, whatever to you. You don't have to do it weird. I'm just saying sit and listen. Allow God to speak to you. Some of you are scared to do that because you're afraid of what he's going to tell you. Let me tell you, whatever he tells you, it's going to be good. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for your life. It's going to be good for those around you. Absolutely. 
And so the first challenge I have for you, if you want to regain joy and peace in your life, invest time with God. Invest time with God. It'll be time very well spent. In fact, I would say you don't have time not to. You have to do it. All right, the second word that I want to give you is consistent. Consistent. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this. It says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Isn't that great? Some of you are like, I don't want to hear that in a pandemic. <laughs> right? I want nothing to do with those words. I mean, they're good words. I, I, I understand they're good for me, but I'd rather not. Right? And I want you to notice the words. Did you notice the words? The words always. Did you know what always means? It means always. <laughs> I know. Profound. That's why you come to Northridge, right? To get such amazing wisdom. Always means always. It means that no matter what is going on around you, whether we need to be joyful, that we have this existence, this attitude, this posture before God and before others, that we're joyful. Notice it says never stop praying. That's just another way of saying always pray. <laughs> just the opposite of that. Never stop praising. Pray unceasingly is another translation. Pray without ceasing. And then be thankful in how many circumstances did it say? In all circumstances. I would ask you again, you know what all means? It means all. Even in pandemics, even if your political candidate didn't win, even if you've got 12 children at home learning on computer screens, and after they're done, it feels like you have raised an army of crazy people. Maybe that's just my household. Right, Jackson? Be thankful in all circumstances. What is this saying? It's saying be consistent. It's saying be consistent in your faith. Be consistent in who you know God to be because he's consistent in your life. In fact, Martin Luther is quoted as saying this. He once said this. He said, I have so much to do today, I'll need to spend another hour on my knees. Just catch the gravity of that statement. I have so much to do today, I need to spend an extra hour praying. Well, here, you know what I do? You know what I tend to do? And let, let me see if this is what you do. When I'm busier, I spend less time praying. You know why? Because I just don't feel like I have time. And what Martin Luther is saying is very clearly saying, oh, no, no, no. The more busy you are, the bigger your problems are, the, the, more, the worse the pandemic gets, the more you're virtual and learning at home, the more you don't like the political landscape, the more that the government is making you angry, the more that happens, the more you need to submit yourself to who God is and who he's calling you to be. Because it's going to be that much harder to live the life that Christ has called us to. Be consistent. Faithful. As God is faithful. We all know that change is going to happen, right? Things around us are constantly going to change. God calls us to stay and be founded on him. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says this. It says, the grass withers. You've been noticing that in Wisconsin, right? The grass is withering. 
and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Center your life, your faith on God. Don't allow this pandemic, don't allow political upheaval, don't allow uh, division over racism, don't allow all the different things, whether or not you agree with this or that or the other, don't allow those things to divide you from other people and from who God calls you to be. People, did you realize that more than ever, people are looking at followers of Christ in these days? They are looking to see how we respond. They're looking to see, are they real? Or are they mad and angry and upset, just like everybody else in the world? They want to know if our faith is real to us. Because if it's not real to us, there's no way they want anything to do with it. Let me give you the final word. Time, we've got to spend time, we've got to be consistent. By the way, I'll mention this. If you have kids and they want to get good at something, what was your advice to them if they want to get good at something? I bet I know what you told them. You said you need to keep doing it. You need to invest time. You need to practice, right? It's not going to be like, well, just think on being a good quarterback and I'm sure you're going to be awesome. It might help with your attitude. <laughs> it might help with your mindset a little bit. But if you, all you did was think about being a good quarterback and you never practice, you never actually throw a football, you never actually work on your timing, let me tell you, you're going to be a bad quarterback <laughs> because you haven't invested any time. You haven't been consistent in your practice. That's true of anything in life. And our faith is the same. But let me give you the third word. And this is, like I said, less something to do and more something that we will experience if we do the first two things. The third word is peace. I've mentioned it a couple of times. Here in the season of Christmas, we talk about peace a lot because Jesus brings peace, right? When he was born and when he came to, to arrive. And we'll talk about this a little bit more on the 20th in our candlelight services. But peace is what we all want. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus' words, he's speaking, he says this. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you, what? What does it say? I will give you rest. This is not a nap, by the way. Although naps are good, sleep is good. No, this is the kind of rest, this is the kind of peace that you get when you know you're right with God. In fact, Jesus says this in 1633, he's speaking to his disciples, but also to you and I, and he says this. He says, I have told you all of this, talking about salvation and him going to the cross, so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, pretty rough election cycles, Pandemics. You'll have to wear a mask sometime. You might have your kids at home instead of in person at school. You might be frustrated with those coworkers that send you 27 emails. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world, Jesus says. The truth is that we will face struggles. And I don't know about you, but with this pandemic, it's gotten pretty bad. 
Now, I know that we all know the numbers and we all know the physical problems, right? We've lost a lot of people. I actually personally know some people that have died from COVID. So it's, it's affecting us physically. But I think one thing that we're all recognizing as well is that this pandemic is affecting us in a lot of other ways. We recognize that, don't we? I know as a pastor in the conversations that I'm having with people, it is affecting us big time. Let me give you a couple of statistics, and I'm not sharing this to be doom and gloom. I'm just giving you the facts. I had to look this up because I was, I know what's been going on with the people that I'm working with, so I know how bad it is, but I was assuming this is happening, but I found this on the CDC website. Did you know that suicidal ideation, that is dwelling or thinking about suicide, ending your life, is up four times what it was this time last year? Four times. That's a massive jump. Let me give you one other statistic. We are on a record-breaking pace for people lost due to overdose. I've already done a funeral during this pandemic for somebody that overdosed. This pandemic is killing us more than just physical. I'm not saying physical doesn't matter, it does. I'm just saying it's killing us way more in other ways. And the reason is because we've lost our foundation. We've lost our hope. We've allowed the government and, and COVID and a virus and changing our whole life to wreck us. And when we lose hope, we turn to other things like drugs, suicide, alcohol, domestic abuse, by the way, <whistles> through the roof. because we don't know how to deal with what we're feeling. And what I want to suggest to you today is that I have the solution for that. And it's not something that I can give other than just tell you to go there, and that is Jesus. God's power and God's spirit can give you the joy and the hope and the peace that you long for. And we need to be handing that out as much as we can to everybody around us. So about five years ago, uh, 2015, I had to look it up. We did a series called The 360 Life here at Northridge. And it was basically the same four things that I mentioned that Stephen Covey mentions. We talked about mental, relational, physical, and spiritual. And we spent a whole series, we talked about all four of those things and how you need to be, have that, all of those things, all four of those areas in order to have the healthiest, well-rounded life that God wants us to have. And, and at the end of that, I don't know if some of you probably remember this, but we put out some significant challenges for you guys to consider taking up. And a lot of you did that. Some of you made some changes that you still, I know, are doing to this day, which is amazing. I hear it every now and then. I hear somebody say, hey, remember that? And I did this, and I'm still doing that. It changed some of your lives so dramatically. But the reason I bring this up is we covered those four things. And the reason we did 360, it's a circle, is because at the end of that series, I did an illustration. 
And the illustration was, I want us to think about these four areas of our life like it's a tire on a car. Okay? And, and, and what we know is if the, the tire is well-rounded, if we have all four parts of our life working well, the mental, the physical, the relational and emotional, and the spiritual, our faith, and if we have those four areas of life working well, then it's a nice well-rounded tire right? It it, it rolls. It's going to move. But what happens when one side of a tire doesn't work or the tire becomes flat? What has to happen? Well, will the car still move forward? Yes. Could you still drive it on a flat tire? You can. Should you? No way. Why? It's harder to control. Um, It's harder to get. Obviously, you're not going to go forward very well. You're eventually, after a while, People in the room that you guys know how tires work, right? If the tire's flat, what are we riding on? We're on the rims, aren't we? We are destroying the whole thing. We're going to damage it so badly that we're not going to be able to put a tire on. We're going to have to replace the whole thing. What my suggestion and challenge is for all of us here this morning is this. Out of the four areas, which one have you let go? Which one have you let become flat in your life? Is it the physical area? Maybe you're doing great emotionally and relationally. Maybe you're doing great mentally. Like, you know, your thought life, you're doing great there. Maybe, maybe spiritually you're doing great. But physically you just... <sighs> cookies all day long. That's, that's where I go. <laughs> I have to fight against that all the time. Or maybe you're here and, and, and most things are good, but your relationships are just falling apart. You're treating people like dirt, and you know it. Or maybe, and I would say that this is probably the biggest one for most people because it's the, the least visible. It's the least right in front of us, tangible, and that is our faith. When was the last time, and I want you to seriously think about this, when was the last time you spent significant investment of time just allowing God to speak to you. And and please understand, I do not mean a minute on the way to work. That's not bad. You should do that. That's good. We talked about that here in Northridge. Like That's a great routine to have. I'm talking, when was the last time that you sat down or that you went for a walk or that you spent time or you got out your, your, the word of God, the scriptures, and you said, okay, I'm going to spend the next half an hour. I'm going to spend the next hour. I'm going to spend the next half of a day. I'm just going to invest in my soul. I'm going to let God pour into who I am. When was the last time you did it? Because I don't know about you during this pandemic, I have lost a lot of good routines. Even getting up a a little bit earlier this morning, our dog, Daisy, looked at me like I was crazy. What are you doing getting up when it's dark? I mean, she was just like passed out. She's never passed out. She's like, are we getting up? Are we getting go? No, she was just like, I was like, okay, we haven't been doing this in a while. There's some routines that we've lost. Have you lost the spiritual routine in your life? What do you need to do to invest time consistently with God? What does that look like for you? What area of your life do you need to invest in starting this week?
Let's pray. God, I thank you for the great opportunity that we have to worship you together. I would say we used to take that for granted. I think we really did. I know I did. We used to take the opportunity to gather together and worship together for granted. And, And now I would say we definitely don't. I know I don't. I so look forward to the times when we can meet together in person. And God, you know, we're, we're looking forward to kind of ramping that up and, and doing this more often, more regularly. But, but God, regardless of how soon that happens and when that can happen, God, I pray that you would just impress upon us your, with your spirit. Just right now, just in, this, in these next couple of moments, show us. Speak to us. Help us to know what is it in our life that we've let go that we need to pick back up. Are we investing intentionally time with you that will fill us to do everything else in our life? God, I confess to you right here in front of my own church because I believe this is important. I confess to you that there have been times in this pandemic where I have lost some hope, where I have been angry and frustrated, where I've got angry at other people, mainly because I'm just frustrated that we can't do things the way that I like to do them or the way that I'm used to doing them and not speaking just to a camera and different things in my life. God, I confess to you, forgive me for allowing this world and a pandemic and government policies to impact and influence my sense of joy and my sense of peace that you want to give to me on a daily basis. Forgive me for that. God, help us to do whatever we need to do to regain the investment of time that we need to give to you to be with you. And I know great things are going to happen as a result. I pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.